Hi there. Welcome to Threads and Tapestry podcast by iChooseGrow.sg. I'm your host, Antonia Lin. We're here to talk about life struggles. What are your struggles? Would it not be your difficulties and challenges serve a meaningful purpose in the larger picture of your life? Like Threads and Tapestry? Join me as I chat with you how they confront their struggles and share coping strategies for mental strength and toughness turning life's difficulties into growth opportunities. Hi everyone, thank you for being here. Today our guest is Adeline Tan, who struggles with Bipolar Disorder 1, which is a lifelong chronic condition, treatable but is not curable. Hi Adeline. Hi Antonia. Thank you for saying yes to our interview. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Yeah, let's talk about your journey with uh, Bipolar Disorder 1. Okay. Uh, what triggered it? And what was it like in the beginning? Uh, the trigger of my condition in 2011 was the sudden death of my mom. She uh, had a sudden heart attack uh, in the middle of the night. And I lost her uh, like instantly overnight. Yeah, and uh, that has a great impact on me. And uh, her sudden death actually triggered this bipolar type 1 condition. I have a very close relationship with my mother. She is the main caregiver uh, in the family. Mm. And uh, I'm the eldest with three younger siblings. Yeah, so growing up very much, uh, my life revolves around my mom and the helper in the house. Uh, so sorry to hear about this. So what happened on that fateful day when your mom passed away? What happened to you? Um, I remember it was in the, it was almost close to midnight. And then me and my siblings were at home. Mm. And my mom suddenly clenched her fist on her chest in the bedroom. And uh, she was struggling. She was not uh, breathing properly, I remember. And uh, within minutes, she fainted and uh, her lips turned blue. And that's when the ambulance came and uh, carried her off. Yeah. Mm. And um, yeah, that was very much what happened that night. That fearful mm. night. Mm. And what happened to you then? Oh, um, I think I was in a state of shock. I was uh, in in the next few days. I was uh, like behaving very normally. Mm. Yeah, I was not crying or you know, or feeling any sadness. But I was busy with her funeral and uh, with the family as well, taking care of my my siblings. Mm. Yeah, so uh, I I think I was in a state of shock because uh. I was uh, not talking much and I was uh, behaving as normally as I could. I think I was trying to put a strong front. Mm. But uh, inside, I think I'm crumbling yeah, deep inside. Uh. How were you diagnosed with bipolar disorder 1? So uh, what happened was uh, in the next few days after her funeral, I actually went to the school library in the, uh, in, uh, the late night. When the library closes at 12am, I was not ready to go home yet. So I created a scene with the security guards at the library. Mm. And then that's when uh, they called up the ambulance to come and uh, pick me up. That, that was how I was being sent to SGH uh, psychiatric ward for treatment. Yeah, mm. And then that's how they diagnosed me with bipolar mode disorder. Mm. Why, why did they call ambulance? What kind of scene were you creating? I mean, was oh, it a quarrel? Basi- basically, I was uh, arguing with the security guard that uh, I didn't want to go home and I was walking barefooted uh, at the entrance of the library. Mm. Yeah, and then uh, basically I was creating a scene. I was quarreling with the security guards and arguing with them. Uh. 
And they called the ambulance and sent you in. Yes, correct. Mm. So how long has it been since you were diagnosed with this condition, this chronic condition? Uh, it's been since 2011, so coming now is 11 years. So how did your life change when you, after that, that, that event in the hospital? Like, how long were you staying there? And, and after that, what happened? What changed in your life? Okay, so I was staying, uh, the first onset, right, I was staying in the hospital for almost two months. And then uh, I was sent to IMH for treatment after that. Mm. Yeah, and then uh, life kind of uh, took a change after that. Yeah, because uh, I was heavily on medication mm. and there were a lot of side effects going through my body. And uh, I was mm. feeling very lethargic every day. Mm. And I also gained almost 30 kg in a short span of six months. Wow. Yeah. Because of the medication? Yes, because of the medication. Uh, that's what, lithium, is it? Yeah, I took lithium. Mm. Uh, and then um, there were also other medications like Resperidone or, or Lanzafin that I was on. Mm. Yeah, so I had a different combination of medication uh, over these last few years. For the first six years of my, my uh, condition, I was struggling. I was not... Uh, doing very well. I was not mm. uh, coping well with my condition. Mm. That was the first six years. Yeah, but after that, it got better when things, uh, when my medication changed and when I became more aware of my condition and took care of myself. What was it like on a home front for you those six years and in the beginning when you were diagnosed after your mom's death? I mean, who was looking after you or were you looking after anybody or what was the dynamics like? Okay, so uh, after my mom passed away, um, my siblings were the main uh were the main caregivers for me. Mm. Yeah, so and they um, were younger than you were at that yeah, time. They were, you were in your twenties. Yeah, so we were all in our twenties. Mm. Yeah, I was twenty four, and they were younger than me. So mm. my brother was eighteen, and uh, yeah, so my siblings was the main caregiver for me when I had my bipolar. Uh, mood disorder mm. diagnosis mm. yeah so uh, every day uh, actually I'm closer to two of my sisters financially they supported me so uh, I was in and out of jobs and then I was not holding any stable job I was doing a lot of part-time jobs yeah trying to survive and trying to basically just find, be financially independent mm. that must be really hard huh? Yes, mm. it was very tough. Yeah. At the time when your mom passed away and you were diagnosed then, you were studying in the university? Oh, uh, I was, I just graduated. So the, the, the day when I went, when I was at the library, I actually already completed my last paper. So you're looking forward to graduating and yes. finding a job? Correct. And mm. two zero one was the year I graduated as well. So you're looking forward to a brand new life. Huh? Correct, correct. Yeah. And, and this thing had to happen. Yes. So is it true that the bipolar disorder is triggered by a major life event? For instance, like the death of a very close family yes. member? Uh, yeah, that is uh, one of the reasons that could trigger a bipolar condition. And so before that event, nothing of that sort happened. You were just... Correct. Before before, before the event, I had nothing of that. So I didn't even have any depression or any mental condition before that. How did it become so... Yeah, actually, I, uh, uh, yeah, after it trigger, then it will become a lifelong condition. So mm. it's like, it's a chronic condition and uh, have to be on lifelong medication to sustain. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and uh, this could be a uh, possible uh, explanation could be her- is inheritory condition. Yeah, so someone in my family might probably 
uh, has uh, this condition as well. Uh, so it's like inherent in you, lah, but yeah. it didn't come out until the trigger comes along. Yes, correct. I see, I see. So Adelaide, you, you have struggled with this condition for what, the past 11 years. So what is your, the lowest point in these 11 years for you? Mm, I would say when I gained 30 kg. That's the first six years, is it? First six months. Yeah, first oh, six first, years. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it started in, uh, in the first six months. I really can see myself balloon. Yeah, from 48 to 80 kg. So my heaviest is 83 kg. Yeah, uh, I was always struggling with my side effects as uh, uh, in terms of the weight gain. Uh. Mm. Yeah, so uh, uh, apparently according to my social worker, uh, almost all the medication that I'm taking uh, has this uh, weight gain side effect. Mm. Yeah, uh, apparently it's the antipsychotics uh, medication side effects that's very common in the medications. So uh, I was trying very hard to shed off my weight by dieting and exercising, but um, apparently it's very slow. Mm. Yeah, and because I every day have to be on medication, so it's inevitable that like I will see all this weight gain as a side effect. What was the frame of mind like inside of you when when you try so hard to to lose that weight gain, but mm. every day you are taking that medication that contributes yeah. to it? In the first six years, right, um, I was very conscious. I was very self conscious, so I started to wear very baggy clothes, and then to cover my tummy, to cover my fat arms. Yeah, and then uh, I also go out lesser with my friends. Mm. I cut down going out with people. I also cut down taking photos. Oh. Yeah, basically I was uh very self-conscious of my image. Yeah, but uh, that was the first six years. Lah. I mean, at that point of time, I, I haven't accepted my myself looking like a fat girl. Yeah, and... Um, It took me six years to accept myself after that that um looking like this is gonna be permanent. I mean, I, I tried to lose weight once in 2018. I managed to shed 10 kg and uh, that was my first success in seeing a weight change in, in my body. Mm, why? Yeah. Because you took less of the medication or? Oh, no, I was, I was on this keto diet that oh, I, uh, I found online. And it worked? Yes, it was, I was down to seven, about 70 kg at that point in time. Yeah, so that was my uh, slimmers uh, after taking the medication. Yeah, Adeline, talk more about uh, this, this thing of uh, putting on weight from 48 to 80 and then struggling to get down to 70, right? With keto yes. diet. What was happening inside of you? How does it uh, look like for you uh, on the home front, socially, in your life? Initially, I was very conscious about my weight because when I was 48 kg, I looked totally different from 80 kg. Yeah, and uh, even friends on the street, sometimes when they see me, they cannot recognize me. And sometimes I also face situations whereby uh, people ask me like, uh, why I put on so much weight, you know, mm-hmm. and I have to explain myself. Yeah, and um, for the first six years, I was very conscious. And like I said, I didn't like to go out. I didn't like to take photos. Mm. Yeah, and I became a very uh, low-profile person. Mm. Yeah, so what was you like before this? Oh, before this, I was a very uh positive, very hyper, very active person. And uh, I was always old, when when I was younger, I was always with a lot of friends. I like to party. Yeah, I like to go out. I like to take photos. That's why it became like a big change in me. 
that suddenly I gain so much weight and I don't dare to even want to go out with my friends. Mm. I don't dare even want to take photos with them anymore. I think I can. my friends can sense that change in me as well. Mm. Yeah. What is it that you don't want to take photos or go out with them anymore? I think it's because I don't want to see my, my, myself uh, in the picture, in, in the photos. I don't want to see, I don't, I don't even want to see mirror as well. Like, basically, uh, I don't want to see the image of myself, uh, yeah, in any, in anywhere. So this is what you call, uh, not accepting yourself, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I would say I was in a very, uh, like, I couldn't accept myself being so big and so fat and, you know, not looking at my best. How did you cope with this, those six years, but not taking photos, not going out with people and... So, um, in the first six years of my life, uh, in the first six years of this condition, right, uh, I was a very depressive person. Like, friends can see that whenever I'm out with them, I'm always in a daze because of the side effects of the medication that causes me to be very lethargic. And then, uh, sometimes, uh, I can be in such a daze that, like, my friends don't feel the presence of me when I'm out with them. Actually, some of them did, did voice out to me. La. And, but some of them uh, understand that it's because I'm on medication. Mm. So these are the side effects that, uh, I'm, that I'm facing, struggling mm. with. How did you get to the point where you can accept yourself? Uh, one day, and at the end of 2016, I was, looking for, I was in a period of looking for a full-time job. And that was when I told myself that um, I, I need a change in my life. And I told myself that if I were to secure a job, I would have to commit it for one year at least and start changing myself and start living a life, you know. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, so that's, that's my turning point when I got my job in a private school. I was working there and um, I was accepted in the job and then, Instead of one year, I actually completed two years well work done. there. Well yeah. And then, um, yeah, from there, I moved on. Yeah. Mm. And I think that period of time, 2016, I was already, already at my factors at 83 kg. And I tell myself, I cannot continue to live a life like that anymore. Mm. Yeah. Like, I had any change, you know. And mm. a job gives what me... What were you feeling inside at that time? Huh? Um, and time was, I think... I was quite desperate for a job because uh, I was two years not on a full-time job already. Mm. Yeah, and then financially, I, I needed to be on my own. So I tell myself, uh, if I give, I'm given this chance to work again, I will treasure it uh, and I will make a change. That's when I started 2017, I started the keto diet. And that's when I decided that my... My, my life cannot be so down anymore. Mm. Yeah, because it's really very down. I told myself to accept who I am. I mean, my case manager, who has been a very strong support in my life, mm. uh, she actually told me to accept myself and also uh, to be realistic in my goals. Mm. She said she has always been supportive uh, in whatever I do. Yeah, so I mean, she, I spoke with her and she actually encouraged me to find a job and start making a change in my life bit by bit. Mm. So in what way were you not realistic in your in your goals? Um, I wanted to look for jobs that's high paying. Okay. Yeah, and then um, but then obviously um, I never garnered enough experience 
to command such a high pay la. I was bang on the fact that I'm a degree holder. Then I have to look for something that is of a higher pay range. So my case manager actually spoke with me and asked me to lower my expectation and start working from from ground again. She was a very supportive uh, person in my life la. So yeah. I listened to her mm. her words. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm I mean uh, that has really greatly helped me in finding my next job. Yeah, so that's where I lowered my pay expectation and started looking for jobs that is uh within what I can do. How does it feel like to be able to have a job and hold it for mm. two years? Talk about your experience. Okay, I think I think it feels good to have uh a job because that would mean financially I'm independent. Mm. And all that and time before that. Uh, before that I was uh before I had a full time job I was relying on my siblings for financial support. A job to me would mean financially uh, sufficient. Mm. And then, it also means that I, I wake up every day with a purpose. Yes. I have things to do. I have mm. something to look forward to. I mm. go to job and spend my time eight hours a day in a job. Mm. Yeah. So, because before that, I was actually sleeping every day at home. I was on my bed. I was just not going out, not moving, not exercising. Yeah, and that's how I live my life like, for... How long was that, man? For about two years before oh. 2016. Yeah, that two years when I was not on a full-time job. Wow. Yeah. So most of the time you were just... So most of the time I was just at home sleeping. Or I was just at home not doing anything, watching TV. Yeah. So what thoughts went through your, your mind in, in those two years when you're at home all the time? Basically, I didn't want to go out and face people. Yeah, and I just want to have myself at home. Mm. And I just want to be around my loved ones. Mm. I don't want to make new friends. Mm. And even old friends, I also don't feel comfortable meeting them anymore because of the way I look, the way I the way I am, the way I've changed. Yeah, like mm. the condition really... Um, made me very down and out. Yeah. Mm. So, I lost interest even meeting my close friends. Yeah. Mm. So, basically, I was at home just being on my own on my bed. So, it was a very depressive period la, for me, I think. Mm. Yeah. It certainly sounds like it. Huh? Correct. Yeah. And yeah. your case manager gave you that... Uh... My case manager, Miss Helen Lee, she, she has been very uh, supportive. Mm. She constantly keep in touch with me. Like, even until today, I'm in touch with her. Mm. Yeah, so it's like she has always been a supportive figure in my journey, mm. yeah, in my recovery. And she has given me many opportunities to share my stories with other others in the community as well. Wow. Yeah. Like? And, uh, like, for example, in IMH, I actually mm. gave some talk before or I even conducted some um, programs for the patients in the ward. Wow. Yeah. So that's my voluntary work. So so during that last that few years of um, uh, recovery, I was also helping out with IMH uh, volunteer program. So you what you're journeying with other? Yeah. So I was journeying with other people as well. Mm, with this, with this, uh, yeah, disorder. with this disorder. I see. I see. Basically, uh, she has given me a lot of opportunities to. Uh, help others. So how does those opportunities help you in return? I think those opportunities help me to see um, 
that um, I'm actually capable of helping others. Mm. Yeah, I'm actually uh, not that uh, th- not that uh, hopeless in that sense. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I was able to actually lift up someone's life in the world. Being able to help them is something that uh, was an opportunity given by Miss Helen Lee. La. Mm. Yeah. Mm. How does that make you feel? Uh, I feel... Mm, when I, whenever I share my story with other patients, I feel very empowered. Empowered, mm. I would say. Mm. Yeah, like I feel that I'm able to give them some hope. Is that something that Miss Helen has given you as well? Correct. I think she has given me a lot of hope. She has given me a lot of uh, opportunities. She has given me a lot of, uh, I would say, respect as well as a patient. Mm. Yeah, like. You know, she she didn't see me as a patient, patient, but she see me as like a, a friend. Mm. Yeah, and she has always been there for me since day one. Wow, wow, that's right. amazing! Huh? amazing yeah. work that she did. Finally, you got a job that you can stay for two years, right? Yes. But talk about your struggle with uh, job interviews. What was your experience like for a person with this chronic condition? So for job application, right? Um, few years ago there was still a practice of uh, answering questionnaires whereby they ask you if you have a mental condition to declare. Yeah. Mm. So uh, my stance is that uh, I don't declare unless I'm comfortable. This is what I was uh, encouraged as well. Yeah. And I've never divulged my condition in the, in the interview application usually. Mm. Yeah. Was was there ever a time? How did you learn not to debauch? Because the question was asked, right? Yeah, correct. So actually, every time when I answer that question, uh, it's always like um uncertain in the sense that like it part of me is the integrity to answer that question, and part of me is uh whether I should declare my condition or not. How many people have this doubt? Because. There's a lot of stigma going around um, with this condition, mm. with people with mental illness. And uh, I do not want to be stigmatized before an interview. Mm. So, so have you been, have that ever happened before in your experience? Yeah, it ever happened once. Uh, I ever declared once before in an interview. And so, I mean, I feel that like, I mean, this might be a personal preference. Uh. Yes. So uh, if you're comfortable with your condition to share, then you can share. But if you're not comfortable, I think it's okay not to share because you can always share it at a later stage. Mm. Yeah. But uh, I think you did mention also uh, that the law has changed, right? Yes. So uh, since I think 2020, they have changed that um, we can now, uh, the employers actually don't have to ask this question of whether you have a mental illness or not in a job application. Mm. In fact, it's uh, against... They are not supposed to ask this question anymore. Yeah, so I think nowadays, the interview uh, applications has been updated. So it's better now. So I think you struggle in many... uh, Trying to get jobs, right? And end up with many contract jobs Mm. for a couple of years. And finally, you found one permanent job, right? Yeah. And that was a turning point for you. I mean, talk a bit about what does a job mean to you other than uh, financial independence? What does it do for you? I think it gives me a purpose, a meaning, yeah, to wake up each day. 
Yeah, to spend that eight hours in the office with colleagues. Yeah, I think it gives me a whole new um life. I would say, yeah, to compare to my life uh at home and not doing anything. Yeah,、mm-hmm. so I think a job gives me uh meaning to wake up each day. Yeah, then responsibilities are given, and I feel confident again doing things, uh, at work. What else? I think a job also gives me independence. Now, tell me what is your driving force, the reason, uh, or reasons that make you decide to accept yourself, uh, look for a full time job, and change for the better. I think is uh two reasons. First is uh I myself want to get better in my recovery journey. Hmm. Because I tell myself that this is a chronic condition and I have to accept it somehow because it's gonna be with me for life,、mm. and I'm gonna be medication for life as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I cannot be in and out of my relapses so many times and not coping my condition. Yeah. So for myself, for my better self, I tell myself that I really need to. Cope with my condition. I really need to move on. I need to lead a normal life. I need to be less reliant on my family, and that brings me to point number two, where、uh, my family is um my con is my、uh, main driving force as well.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um I've been very down and out, and they have supported me throughout these years, and I do not want to be a burden to them. They have their own family one day. So I have to take care of myself and have to be independent.、Mm. Yeah, especially self care is important in mental health. I do not want to burden them because a lot of times, uh, when I have my relapses, right, they had to take urgent leave off their work to、mm. come and tend to me. Yeah, which I feel very guilty of. So these are the two main driving forces that keeps me want to be better. Yeah, describe your relationship with your family. As, I mean, your siblings, right? Your yeah, three siblings, especially your two sisters. Okay.、Uh, how they look after you, and what do you see in them? What emerges for you, ah,、uh, from them that ah、uh, that they are、uh, taking care in the way that they care for you. Um, I would say that、uh, I have very close relationships with my siblings, especially my two sisters. I can see their love for me is really selfless. They are really very family oriented as well. Their devotion to taking care of me as a caregiver, yeah, I would say is very selfless and very um determined. Yeah, they never once turn me down, and they are always around me whenever I need them. Their service to take care of me, I think, is admirable. Yeah,、mm. I would say,、mm. and their tolerance for me when I have my relapses, I would say, is a、uh, very high as well,、mm. and um. The patience to take care of me is、um, something that I think not many caregivers can do.、Mm. Yeah, and their openness to understand my condition, their openness to、uh, accept who I am,、mm. is very important to me as well. They are also very optimistic about my condition. They、mm. always、uh, motivate me and、uh, push me forward. They always、uh, just give me full of Uh, love and、um, care,、mm. yeah. Which I'm very appreciative of.、Mm. It sounds like they give you a lot of hope, also.、Huh? Yeah, definitely、mm. a lot of hope. How does it feel to to be so loved by your only family? 
Mm. You know, your siblings. I think it's not to let them down. Mm. Yeah, I think and and it's to take care of myself. Yeah, I take care of myself so that I do not burden them, mm. so that I do not worry them unnecessarily. Mm. I think that is what love is all about. Yeah, so that you can also in return take care of them, right? Yes. What would you do? What would we do with our families, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, Adeline. So, 11 years have passed and uh, what would you say is your um, situation now as far as bipolar disorder one is concerned? Like, for instance, uh, 0 to 10, uh, 10 being best that you can be. Where Where would you think you are now? I would say I'm at 9. Wow. Yeah. I would say I understand my condition well enough to manage myself, mm. to cope with the condition. Yeah, and uh, it took me at least six years to understand this condition fully. Mm. Yeah. What did you do to understand? I had a lot of relapses in the past and each relapse actually made me stronger. Mm. Yeah, and I learned more about the triggers yeah, I think the self-awareness is important. Self-care is important. Mm. Self-awareness in the sense that uh, you're aware of uh, your condition, what is your trigger mm. point, yeah, mm. and things like that. So you can better self-care mm. and better manage the condition. So you were reading a lot about your condition? Right? Yes, I was reading a lot of my condition online as well as physical books. Mm. Yeah, and then I uh as well as I'm uh, getting information from my case manager as well. As more the more I read and the more I understand from the condition, I manage myself better and lesser relapse over the years. Mm. Yeah. So talk a bit about the self care routine you have. Mm. Okay, so uh for bipolar, the most important thing is sleep. So we actually cannot have uh, bad sleeping patterns. A routine is uh, best. That means a routine job, like 9 to 5 job. And then after that, uh, sleep around 10 to 12 p.m. Mm. Yeah, at least get an 8 hours sleep is important. Mm. What other self-care? As well as uh, food-wise, no alcohol. Oh. Yeah, I think that one is uh, important. How's that? Yeah. Because uh, cause we have to take medication sometimes, so oh. it's best not to take alcohol. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. We also have to be mindful like what we eat because like I say the side effect is weight gain, so we tend to eat a lot because the medication will make you have a very good appetite. Yeah, so that's why you will gain weight. Wow. Yeah, so you have to be mindful of what you put into your mouth. I see. Yeah. Wow, there's a lot of uh, self-discipline. Huh? Yeah, correct. Self-discipline. Mm. I mean, I think this whole self-care really is about self-discipline. Huh? It's about sleeping early, sleeping on time, and then working, and then um, taking medications on time. How about socially? Is there anything that you watch out for in terms of self this uh, self-care routine? Mm, socially, relationship with people is important as well. Mm. Yeah, so not to have too many uh, like bad relationships with with uh, friendships or relationships with people because that could be a trigger point as well. Uh, yeah. So you're talking bad relationships, you're talking about what? Toxic. Uh, toxic friends, yeah. Toxic uh, friends, toxic relationships. So for that, do you as a young person, do you actually uh, go a lot on social media? I because would, it's I all would, this e-bullying and things like that, right? Mm, yeah, correct. I, I would say... I'm not very into social media, yeah, person, yeah. Mm. So I manage it quite well. So looking back, right, in these eleven years, 
uh, this ups and downs and, and such a low, many low points in, in this journey of yours, what have you learned about yourself, discovered about yourself? Uh, I've learned that um, if I put my mind to what I want to do, I can actually achieve it. Like how I actually got my job in 2016 and I persevered for two years. Mm. Yeah, I think with a clear vision and goal in mind, it's easier to achieve my goals. And uh, I also feel that uh, determination and perseverance plays a part. Yeah, my determination to get well and my perseverance to to be well, mm. yeah, kind of like... Uh, helps me to get out of this dark, dark zone. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. And um, and I also think that self-awareness is very important. Self-care. Yeah, self-awareness in the sense that like when I know when is my trigger point, uh, I should, things I should look out for and things that I should prevent and avoid. Yeah, and I should be very disciplined to take care of myself. My self-care regime has to be very uh, strong mm. yeah in order to be where I am today mm. well it yeah. sounds like uh, you have to be on the alert all the time uh, what would happens say... when sometimes you just like lay back a bit <laughs> enjoy yourself a little bit sleep a bit later or... yeah I say yes and no uh, but it's like plus and minus you have to be aware like if uh, for example if I sleep late today then I must make sure that the next day I don't sleep late I can maybe give myself some treats lah sometimes, but mm. but not all the time. Mm. Yeah, correct. So I have to be very mindful. Yeah. So what happened when when you are just uh for one day you are not on the alert? What would happen? Has it happened before? Uh no. So for bipolar to build up, right? It takes about one week. Ah, I see. So I see. if if one week I'm not sleeping, that means like three days above I'm or two two three, three days above I'm not sleeping well like normal then I have to be on alert I see yeah mm. correct because uh, the mind will actually be very active yeah so you actually have to what mm. you actually clock yourself mm, I don't clock myself but uh, I will watch my time la, to sleep yeah mm. but if if I don't sleep for 3 days then I know that something is wrong already mm. that means that it could be a potential hypomania coming up. I see. Yeah. So do you actually use uh, like a uh, helpful tools like putting an alarm? Oh yeah, so I have a, I do use a, 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 my phone as an alarm all the ah, time. As a reminder. La. Yeah, ah. correct. Yeah, and also uh, self-acceptance is important. Mm. I realised that um, with self-acceptance actually I'll look, I view myself differently. Mm. I view myself with a more positive light. Mm. Yeah, and with self acceptance, I able to move forward. Uh, in life, lah, cause like my weight gain issue, I accepted myself the way I look. I am the way I am, mm. and I also accepted my condition bipolar type one. Yeah, and I was able to accept and move on. With, yeah, with life. So, what can you give some tips? How do you? How does a person? accept herself mm. in whatever condition that she's in. Because really nothing has changed, right? Mm. What has changed? So I think it's the mindset that has changed. The shift is in the mindset. When it comes to something like accepting your self-image, uh, I would say that uh, mindset plays an important part. You view yourself uh, positively, you view yourself in a positive light, 
And then I would say it's the mindset that has changed me. And what makes you change your mindset? Mm, I think it's the inner energy that caused the change. Mm. Yeah, it's not external. Of course, it has to come from within. Yes. Yeah, so it's something that I just suddenly realized that like, hey, I cannot be so low anymore. Mm. Yeah, I have to move on and get up and face the world. Yeah, so that's when I realized that all the depressive episode and all the depressive uh, things in me has to go has to go away. Yeah. So were you really you were what so sick of 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 that low low point? Correct. I think I was so sick of my low point. And I was so down and out that um I don't want to be like that anymore. Enough is enough. Yeah, enough is enough. Enough of uh, you've tasted enough of that low point. Uh. Yeah, correct. Mm, it's time to to move upwards. Uh. Correct. Yeah. So with your Adelaide, with your experience, right, with this uh, chronic condition, what would you, what tips would you give to another person in a similar situation as yours? Okay, I would say that uh, for someone who has a similar struggle with mental illness, mm. uh, I think it's important to take time to discover yourself. Mm. And uh, it's important to take time to recover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, different people have different timeline to recovery. Mm. So I think it's important to be patient with yourself, mm. be positive and look at things on the bright side. And also take time to know your body because you experience medication side effects uh, on and off. Yeah, mm. and it's important to understand your condition in order to better self-care for yourself. Mm, so you know what to expect. Eh? Correct. As mm. in, yeah, so you, you can read out on self-help books, you can read out on books regarding your condition to further improve yourself. Mm. Yeah, and be always open to try new things, new hobbies, new routines, and meet new people in your life and enjoy every bit of the recovery process. So earlier, Adeline, you were talking about, you know, in a job interview, you try not to disclose your mental uh, your your mental illness condition right yes uh, and only when you develop a certain relationship with the employer yes so I mean drawing from that right may I ask you of course I'm very happy that you agree to do this interview what is your motivation to be here with us with me to talk about Bipolar disorder. I think my motivation would be to to change, change the kind of mindset people have, uh, towards people with mental illness. I think a lot of people still have a lot of stigma that uh, mental illness people are incapable of uh doing things uh as efficiently as someone without mental illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think that one is something that uh I don't agree with. Yeah. I think everyone uh, has the capability to do things given opportunity out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, I also have uh, come across people who stigmatize uh, people with mental illness uh, as uh, slow, as uh, just uh, not uh, on par with uh, people without mental illness. Mm. When it comes to doing things. 
but I disagree with that. Yeah, I think that one is nothing to do with uh, having a mental illness or not. But these are just some of the stigma that people have. Mm. La. So what do you hope to achieve by appearing on this podcast? I hope that people with mental illness can recover. Yeah, I hope that uh, they can see themselves recover in in a short period of time, if possible. Mm. Yeah, and uh, look at life uh, in a different lens, mm. in a more positive lens. Yeah, and I hope that um, caregivers who listen to this podcast will be more f- uh, forgiving, will be mm. more loving towards their their loved ones with uh, mental illness. Mm. Yeah, it's just like how my sister supported me. How about the general public who's uh, not so aware of... So for the general public who listen to my story, I hope that uh, they'll know that pe- there's this group of people who are struggling with mental illness. Be kind to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, do not judge uh, before anything. La. I know that uh, there's some stereotype uh, going on. Yeah, so... Uh, do not judge and give you always give people the benefit of doubt. There are also people who with mental illness who are high functioning as well. I'm, I consider myself as a high functioning individual. Mm. Yeah, so I hold a white collar job. This is a misconception that um, a lot of people have also. Right. So thank you so much, Adeline, for your generosity, your openness to share with me your amazing growth story, uh, your struggle with this uh, bipolar disorder one. I really appreciate it. And yeah, like you, I hope the story will, will help to empower, to uplift, encourage listeners who are facing similar life struggles like yours and that they can be spurred to positive action. Yeah, meanwhile, wish you all the best in your health and your work. Thank you. Yeah, keep up the good work of supporting fellow sufferers. Thank, Thank you, you Adeline. Thank you, Antonia. Thank you for being here. Feel free to drop me a message if you have a question or to share your thoughts regarding this episode. Or if you have a growth story to share, contact me at antonia at In the meantime, keep well and see you soon.